podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 125. Ryan, today we're going to talk about quality. I like quality. Our, it, our friendship is, I feel like, high quality. Quality is my favorite quantity. <laughs> Amen to that, man. I, uh, I and, and I think this is the perfect time for, for uh, during this little preamble here, before we dive into our listeners' questions, to talk about some screw-ups. Um, occasionally, we, we screw some stuff up. Uh, it's funny. I screwed <laughs> something up this, this weekend, and it drove me insane. I know. Um, I just wanted to tell you it was going to be okay. Thank, well, I, I, I just wanted to tell you it's not a big deal, <laughs> but like... I I just know you and like that doesn't help. Yeah, that, but that just makes you say it, it's not that it, it it's not that it doesn't help. Um, it, but it's ambivalent. It's like you, I I could say, dude, it's not a big deal, and you're gonna say, hey, Ryan, I appreciate that. Right. But it is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, you had to come over and help me hide the bodies. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. The wood chipper. <laughs> no, and and that's the thing. Like when you put it in perspective, it's like it really isn't that big of a deal. No. But I've worked so hard on this essay about advertisements over the last three months. Oh, let me make sure my phone's in airplane mode, so there I can throw it out the window. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't fly. <laughs> If you put an airplane mode. Watch. <laughs> um, I worked so hard at this essay. It's called, Can We Have a Conversation About Advertisements? Mm -hmm. Can we have an honest conversation? Months. About You've been spending months on it. Yeah. it's a, I, I, we, Our first book that we wrote, Minimalism of a Meaningful Life, took about the same amount of time as this damn essay. Wow. Um, and it got to this point where it was about 10,000 words, and I read a few books and, and uh, a bunch of different articles and essays and history about advertising and tried to incorporate it in there and then also sort of distill it down to its essence, try to make it about 3,000 words. I think it ended up just over 4,000 words at the end of the day. And, and man, it was, it was this thing that um, it was ready. It was 98% there. All it needed was this fine-toothed editing that uh, we have podcast Sean for because he is our podcast editor, but he's also the best writing editor that I've ever met. Amen. And so he does such a great job uh, taking a weed whacker and a red pen and other instruments of, of torture to and M -dashes. my writing. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think he... I think he went to like Costco and just bought a bunch of M dashes. <laughs> he's got these. He got M dashes on sale. <laughs> he did. It's like let's see if we can put three in this sentence. Uh, we he, love you. We love you, Sean. You know it that. is. <laughs> you will poke someone's eye out with those M dashes, Sean. Put them away. Um, but no, he he is a great editor. He he is fond fond of M dashes. We've had several long conversations about the use of M dashes. I, I give him two per essay now, um, but. Uh, Man, it was so close, and then I accidentally hit the publish button and didn't know I hit it. I mm. thought I hit save draft, mm. and, and and then it just published that night, uh, as opposed to the Wednesday it was supposed to go out. And all it's weird because ever since you sent that out, uh -huh. I noticed we've had zero people visiting the website since. 
<laughs> traffic has decreased by a hundred percent. And that, and not to mention the mob of people holding signs with typos <laughs> on them I out cannot, front. I could. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe you, the, you know the backlash you got from that, man. I, the thing I couldn't believe we is, got from it is how few typos there actually were in yeah, it. it but there were there were about a dozen t- typos in it, which. Uh, I I would expect that there'd be far more from from you know this ten thousand word thing that was cut down so much, and there was also w- at least one inaccuracy, a, com- a paragraph I had to move completely. Um, it yeah, it wasn't ready to go out to the world yet. It was a really solid first draft, but it wasn't wasn't ready to go out to the world. And so by the time this episode comes out, it'll it'll already be out there. You can check it out, theminimalists.com slash ads but uh, as a retraction sort of not even a retraction but a owning up to my own mistake I, I wrote this really short essay called oops and basically it just said hey over the past few years i've spent a great deal of time contemplating the overreach of the advertising industry and then it says last week after countless hours of research and rumination i finally finished writing an essay that articulated my thoughts on advertising all it needed was some editing but then I accidentally hit the button, and then I po- go into apologizing and talk about how the error was especially frustrating because of the time that I spent on it. Was, it's like this crucial, uh, uh, tremendously important topic to me, and I just wanted to get it right out there the first time and not have this thing that was sort of yeah. uh, had a few bruises on it, right? Yeah. But yeah. here's the thing. like yeah. <clears throat> I... I um, I also didn't expect it to be perfect. I know I wanted it to be. Like, I have got this perfectionist mentality. Sure. And it actually, it, this whole thing made me spawn this other essay that's out there. It'll actually be, it'll be published by the time that this, uh, this podcast is out. It's called How to Be Anxious. <laughs> and, and, and it's just this perfect list of everything you can do. If, if you don't have enough anxiety in your life. These are things you can think about. Here's what you can do to be anxious. Yeah. Um, which actually would be a great book title. I just don't have, uh, I don't have the time to write an entire book on how to be anxious. So right. instead, you you get a blog post out there, theminimalists.com slash anxious. I think it will be. We'll put a link to those in the show notes as well. The whole point about this is today we're talking about quality, but... We also have to mess things up along the way. I, I, I thought about this this quote I pulled up. I'm a big fan of uh, Charles Ames. You, you probably see some of his furniture, um, in, like the Herman Miller store and, and places like that. The Ames chair that I have, in fact, a really high quality sort of iconic chair that mm-hmm. will probably be with me for the rest of my life. Unless, yeah, beautiful stuff, man. Unless I decide to let go of it, right? Sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm always open to, to letting go of it. I don't have an attachment to it, but it is a piece of art. He, he said this about quality, right? And it really stood out to me. And I think this will be the, the sort of theme of this episode. Eventually, everything connects. People, ideas, objects. The quality of the connections is the key to quality. So, so I, I think the, 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 when we're talking about quality and quite often when we're talking about minimalism, the irony of this is we're often talking about material possessions or the lack thereof or the material possessions that add value to our lives. And thus, we want to have quality things in our life. You and I don't want to eschew everything and live you know, in a concrete room with no bed or whatever. But the things we bring into our life, we want to be quality. And, and part of that quality has to do, as Charles Ames talks about here, is the those things help what well, I would say augment our life, but really it connects, uh, it connects us quite often. If you have a couch, 
you want to be able to share that couch with your partner or you have friends who come over you're sharing that because it it augments it augments the connection in a way between the people the ideas and and the objects and so today we're going to talk a lot about about the quality of things we bring into our lives also the quality of time the quality of experiences uh, th- that we have so I think yeah. we should we should probably go ahead and, and dive yeah, in. Yeah, definitely, man. One thing I do want to say before we dive into these voicemails here, man, is I think you accidentally publishing that essay was a great lesson for our listeners mm. uh, for a couple reasons. A, um, it's not the end of the world. Uh, we did not have uh, zero people visit the website the next day. Right. Sean I mean, it, got very few emails about uh, about um, anything needing editing. It was a it was a very very benign response. I mean, yes. for all intents and purposes, it was a benign response. I agree. On top of that, dude, we have done such an outstanding job, and I, you know me, dude. I don't. I hardly like sit here and pat pat us on the back. Right. But we do such an outstanding job of putting our best foot forward to making sure that the quality we put out in these podcasts and our essays with the document, whatever it is that we do, mm-hmm. that when something like this happens, it's a very easy thing to overlook. Yeah. In fact, I, I, would, I would argue and say that some people who got that essay and then when it was redacted because it wasn't edited... Uh, might have gotten even more excited to think like, oh, this is going to be even better yeah. than what was in my inbox. Yeah. Because they know, they expect the quality and we've been consistent with that. I agree. And so like I put out a little note, I put the note out on on Facebook that was basically saying, hey, oops, I, I screwed this up. And I got so many comments on Facebook and Instagram that, that people are like, oh, so you are human. And, uh, and you know, I didn't even notice, I read it this morning. It was in my, cause it went out to hundreds of thousands of email inboxes, yeah. right? Be, our whole, if you're on our, our, our newsletter list or just email list on, on the website, you get any new essays that we publish for free, obviously that just show up in your inbox. And so it went out, I, there was no way for me to like go out there and take it back out of people's inboxes. It was mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And I had a bunch of people saying, I enjoyed I enjoyed it typos and all, right? Mm-hmm. And and or I didn't. Most people just I didn't even notice the typos, right? right? And, and uh, because there was, you know, maybe a dozen in there, I, 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 an article that was supposed yeah. to be a instead of yeah. an or, or or whatever. So how we're leaving was that for you, man? Because I guarantee you, the person who was most upset was you. Oh yeah. So yeah. after after you know you kind of realize our audience aren't just a bunch of grammar Nazis. Actually, dude, if someone would have like responded back and been like. I can't. Your quality is really lacking in this essay. I'm never going to read anything again. Go fuck yourself. That's that's what I think. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, it's funny because you you brought up a really good point a second ago. We do uh, work hard to make sure our quality is is top notch. Not perfect, but it's the best it can be given the resources we have. In fact, I think this is the third time we've tried to record this episode about quality. Is it the third time? Yeah. Oh my God. Cause we tried to do two in one oh. day and like you left and you came back and we, we tried oh, to do it again. Yeah, it was, this is kind of like two and a half. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is like, uh, this is like version 2.5, but that's the point. In fact, I was having a uh, coffee with our friend Lewis Howes this morning mm-hmm. and, uh, he was like, he's like, what are you doing today? I'm like, I got to leave here soon. We got to go record this podcast that we messed up last week. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, man, for every podcast we put out, we probably record two, at least recently. <laughs> recently, I don't, dude, I, yeah. And that's not always the case. When it started, it was like one out of every four or, or yeah. but, and then we got better and better. And as the quality improves, you don't have to, I quite often I see these sometimes, these conversations you and I have as first drafts. 
and yeah. and if we and sometimes the first draft is good enough and, and it's outstanding. In fact, sometimes there's a certain magic to that first draft that you can't recapture if you try mm. to come back and affect the conversation again. Yeah, absolutely. But last time we recorded this, we we did it in an afternoon because we we had this uh, we did that Frank Lloyd Wright house. We went out. Speaking of quality, amazing we, tour. Yeah. We went to go out and look at this Frank Lloyd Wright house, Olive Hill, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, Olive Ho- Hill, Hollyhock. Yeah, the Hollyhock house. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. If anyone's in LA, uh, you have to set up a docent tour weeks in advance. Like you have to email us. So them. worth it, though. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely worth it. I mean, the quality it was was amazing. But we went and did that, and then we were kind of tired after doing that. We came back, and it would have been a good enough podcast to publish, probably, but. The, there was a special irony to calling a podcast quality and then it not having it be the absolute quality that we liked. Yeah. I think part of it is just the feeling, too. Well, yeah, dude. I It's all my fault. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm happy to talk about what's been going on with me. Uh, recently, I found out I was uh, basically pre-diabetic type 2. Mm. Um, so I, I got that confirmed... Uh, last Friday, so today's Tuesday, literally like three or four days ago. Um, yeah. uh, Doc Green called me and he's like, "Yeah, dude, um, you're not you're not diabetic yet." Which is the what was the which really is great good news. news? Yeah, he's like, "But you do have to change. You have to do some major lifestyle changes." Well, um, in the process of me doing these changes, uh, I have been really doing amazing on my diet. Like I, I've lost. I think I was like two, I don't know, two seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, beginning into this year, I'm like two hundred one, two hundred yeah. pounds now. Yeah, you can see your face; it looks good, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Just over the last few weeks, because because I'm taking it so seriously. Like I have, I can literally count on one hand how many drinks I've had this year. Um, I can, uh, I, I I I can tell you how many time, how many French fries I've had. You don't I have mean, to keep counting, right? You right, like, right, ex- right, exactly. Seventeen, yeah, exactly, 18. exactly. No, okay, no, no, but but what I'm saying is, is that. Is that um, I have really gone out of my way to change my diet, but what I didn't realize mm. is how how sugar masks so much of the symptoms that I have. Like I didn't, oh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like I I, I have become more irritable. I have become more brain foggy, mm. and um, I've been sticking to that intermittent fasting schedule, but it's really been screwing with me because I haven't been eating. I've literally been eating zero sugar. I mean, right. some carbs. Um, if very sugar, low carbs. Yeah, so. very low carbs, very low sugar. So, uh, like, these last two weeks, I've been trying to, like, wrap my head around, like, what the hell is going on? Like, why do I feel so off? And, your like, body's transitioning. Finally hit me. I'm like, dude, you have, you've taken sugar out of your body. And I'm like, I'm going through this weird withdrawal thing yeah. or something, man. Jonesing for the carbs. But you know what, dude? Like, I'd never, like, I had to force myself to eat this morning just so I would have some food in my stomach and be able to to be alert and have a good podcast. And I got to tell you, dude, like it is a night and day difference. I had no idea. I just had no idea how much the uh, food affected my, my mood mm. and, um, and, and other things that I was experiencing, but I feel great now. And all I did was eat a little breakfast this morning. It's funny. I, I was with Dr. Green yesterday. We've talked about him on, on a past podcast before, uh, Metro dash MD.com. He's a LA doctor and, and helps. I was just getting an IV yesterday before, cause we're recording this right before we head over to Australia. This is actually coming out after our Australian tour, but we're recording this uh, a couple days before our Australian trip. And, um, I was getting an IV to make sure I don't get sick at all um, because I live in perpetual fear of getting sick right before we go out on tour. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, and uh, I was with him. I said, hey, man, thanks for helping out with Ryan. And, you know, I, I just because uh, I was definitely worried when you got that when, when you got the, the test results back but you've made some significant changes like instantly because you were all, I was telling him that you were always a guy who was you, you, you sort of wore it as a, a badge of honor that you're an ox man like right. you just 
you plow through everything. You can get a little sleep. You can eat whatever you want. You can lift small cars above your head. <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen you uh, uh, overperform in ways that, like, you're so durable is the word I always use yeah. to describe you. Uh, and and I, I envy that durability. I don't have 10% of your durability. I never felt invinci- I've never felt invincible, but I certainly have felt like my constitution is a, is a bit more than other people. Mm. But I also am wise enough to know that that cannot last the rest of my life. Yeah, and the, the people who live like that, who live like, not that you lived real hard, especially in your 30s. I mean, your 20s you did, for yeah. sure. And you've talked a lot about that during our talks and stuff. But uh, um, during your 30s, it's not like you've lived hard or anything. No. But but um, harder than me, for sure. But that's sure. just because I, I go to bed at 8 o'clock at night. If, I'm, mm-hmm. if it's 9.30, I'm like, oh, why am I out so late? Um, but with you, like you, you wore that as as this badge of honor. I totally get. It. I think I would have too if I if I was able to to perform that way. But I was talking to Doctor Green about it yesterday, and he was like, "Yeah, but how many people do you know like that who still live into their sixties or seventies or eighties yeah. if they don't make some significant changes in their life?" Yeah. Um, I'm to anyone listening listening to this. The reason why I even got these tests done is because I had uh, a family member pass away unexpectedly. And uh, they were really, really young. And it was something that could have been solved, mm-hmm. may have been caught. Younger it, than you. Younger than me. Yeah. Uh, may have been caught if they had a blood test. Yeah. And I thought about the last blood test I took, and it was it was years ago. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. The next time I'm over at, at Doc Green's, I'm going to have him take my blood. And I did. And I'm glad I did because it really, it has changed my perception. It has helped me be proactive to to live a meaningful, healthy life. Yeah. So anyone out there, if you haven't had your blood checked in the last two years, go get it checked. Yeah, and you should do te- it once a year, probably. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That, I mean, that's, yeah. If, uh, yeah, I know where you're going with it, dude. If you're if we're getting our oil changed more than our blood checked, there's a problem. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm throwing the two-year two year marker out there because uh, it's, it, it, that is, that's way too long to go. Yeah. Without. Start somewhere. If, yeah. if it's if it's been two years, if it's been a year, yeah, whatever. Go get your blood checked. But it's it's a very simple thing to do. And if you're listening to me right now and you're like, oh, I can't, um, I don't want to do that, or I'm not going to do that, or Ryan's silly, or whatever it is, uh, I, that's a silly attitude to take. Mm. Every every single person who's listening to this should have their blood checked if they haven't had it checked recently. And I, I know what the uh, the next thing, uh, the next objection is. I can't afford to. And and my response to that would be, you can't afford not to. Yeah. Absolutely, and because uh, you can't afford anything if you die, uh, it's just it's all it's all gone. Or worse, you know, I, I was talking to to, to Doc Green yesterday about um, he he knew someone who was have uh, a friend of his, their parent was having an mm. issue uh, with like diabetes, or whatever, and eventually had the like he's like amputated, yeah, yeah, they amputate your leg God. because the the signs were there. Yeah. And then that changes everything. You yeah. lose your mobility. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. No. And, and you know, going back to the you can't afford not to check it, uh, I, for someone out there who's like, oh, yeah, these guys don't get it. Like, you know, that's that's a lot of money. And, and, and you know, you know I, I really truly can't afford to check it. If you have a car and you're changing your oil, mm-hmm. adopt that attitude with the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that you have that attitude with your car. I cannot afford to not change my oil because your car is going to break down. So you have to do this preventative thing to keep your car going. You've got to take that attitude with your blood and yeah. figure out if you got to, what, whatever it is, whatever you have to do, save up a little bit to get your blood checked. That's fine. But please make that a priority. Yeah. It's got to be a you know, full blood panel once a year. 
uh, to let you know where you stand and what you can improve on. Yeah. And uh, man. there's so many things that can be cop. I mean, just it's unbelievable. It's not just diabetes, man. It's so many things yeah. that can be prevented just from a simple test to say, hey, look, you've got this thing going on. Uh, you, you really have got to address that or you're going to have problems in a little bit. Yeah. You you don't want to wait until the engine falls out of your car oh to get it addressed. Well, yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. that's where I was heading, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyway. All right. What do you think, man? <laughs> Voicemails? Let's do it. All right. Our first question is from whom, Ryan? Um, <laughs> I've, I've reached the end. Oh, here we go. It's, it's from, from Alex. Yeah. Alex in New York. Yeah. I've recently been trying to declutter my life, and I'm finding that a lot of my things are generally cheap, uh, such as my clothing and other daily use items. How do you guys go about buying things of quality rather than quantity, uh, as it's really a big financial investment from the get-go um, to have long-lasting quality things? I think, Ryan, you tell me what you think here. I don't like to to think of buying quality versus quantity always because I think it's a continuum. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we, we often confuse price with quality. We also confuse uh, luxury with, with quality. And I think sometimes luxury is just a product of really good advertising. Yeah. Uh, the... the uh, Camry that has the same it's the same car as a low-end Lexus they just have an emblem that costs $30,000 more right and it might have a few bells and whistles but right. I can't tell you the last time I used a whistle in my car <laughs> <laughs> Ryan was drinking some water I think I was spit it out of the microphone um, and, and so I think I think we have to think about um, quality in, in a way that means well. If we go back to we go back to that Charles Ames quote, right? When we talk about uh, it's the quality of the connections is the key to quality per se. And so, how does this object connect us with our daily lives? And mm -hmm. one of the things that that Alex here is worried about is his daily use items and his clothing. So daily use items, a lot of those are just disposable items, right? So there are some things that are truly gonna be disposable. Uh, whether if you're using deodorant or you're using toothpaste in the tube that you're gonna throw out or whatever. Um, and so you want a higher quality product that you're going to use on your body or on yourself because it goes back to, to health. I mean, yeah. when you're talking about a lot of the, the, times, yeah. the blood tests that you're taking, it's about improving the quality of your life, yeah. right? Um, which, in a weird way, actually lends itself to more quantity of life as mm -hmm. well. Sure. No one wants to live to 200 years old if you're going to have yeah, a bunch of yeah, cancer and tumors for the last 100 years of your life. You, you don't want that. You, you want both, ideally. Um, but I certainly choose quality over quantity in, in those scenarios. I'd rather have a really outstanding 60 or 70 years on Earth than a decent 50 and a terrible 150 years on, on earth. Yeah. And so when I look at, at, at the things that I bring into my life, I look at it as sort of a continuum because there's a certain amount of quality that I'll have to forsake. I mean, I'll give you an example. So I'm wearing this, this cotton t-shirt right mm -hmm. now, right? It's eventually mm -hmm. going to wear out. In fact, last week I threw out well, one of my cotton t-shirts because it had a hole in it. Now, I could probably sold it for $500 because that's what the kids are doing these days, right? They, they didn't have enough holes to sell it yet. Um, but when I get a hole in my T-shirt, I choose not to wear it. Mm -hmm. um, but I do understand that it's in style now. But So I, I threw it out, right? It wasn't donatable, I, I don't think. Um, you could use it as rags or, or whatever if you wanted to. But uh, eventually, I had to get rid of it. Now, I could wear something that's made out of, you know, like uh, I could wear some sort of 
armored knight suit that is never going to wear out or get holes in it, but it's not going to have the functionality that I need <laughs> in my life. It's actually going to take away a certain, even though it's going to uh, have... I'm just <laughs> about, you're not real minimalist unless you wear a knight suit armor suit. I come here and pull the face mask up the podcast. <laughs> Check out my new outfit. <laughs> um and so like i you to get one kind kind of quality this sort of everlasting quality i would actually have to forsake a different kind of quality which is like comfort and and functionality and movability and breathability and 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 uh the ability to to feel good in what i'm wearing right and so i i think uh when we're alex is asking how do i buy things of of quality um i think I think sometimes things can be both. They can be quantity and quality. The, the, the thing that comes to mind isn't a physical thing for me, but it's uh, Seth Godin. He, he's the, the best blogger alive. It's <laughs> still alive. Or, or dead. <laughs> he's not dead, but I don't know any anyway. really good dead bloggers. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, <laughs> he's the best blogger ever. Um, anyway, he... he, uh, he, he puts out a blog post every day and they're always quality now here's the thing if you're a brand new blogger and you want to start a blog uh you're probably not going to put out very good quality right away but it's going to help improve your quality over time if you did blog every single day because the more you do it the better quality the more output the more quantity eventually leads you to better quality until the point where maybe you get close to something like what seth godin is who blogs every day sometimes twice a day and it is true quality merged with quantity although here's the thing sometimes he writes three blog posts for every one he publishes still Mm. still right now that means he's writing a thousand blog posts a year so he can publish 370 380 blog posts right now there there are other ones that, that i look at the flip side of that where it's one or the other uh, a blog that I read occasionally is called Wait But Why. It's a, a guy named Tim Urban who puts that together. Now, these are really long, high-quality blog posts. So there's some quantity within the blog post, but he does it very infrequently. Sometimes he'll have a blog post once a quarter or once a month, and, and that's it. But you can tell he's writing every single day. Right. Some of these are 60,000 words long. That's we, a novel. Yeah, that is totally a novel. Mm-hmm. And he has images in it that he draws himself. And like he really dives deep into the research. True quality. But he doesn't put out a blog post every single day like Seth Godin. Right. Now, there are the, the clickbaity things that we see on websites that are true quantity. The, mm-hmm. the listicles are the, the most sort of rapacious example of, uh, of just quantity the 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 content factories content generation we all know the sites that do that yeah and they just have the top 10 ways to blah 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 and it's just putting out content so you can have banner ads in the side right and and it's attracting eyeballs but the people never it's like watching a car wreck there's no quality Mm. there people will turn their head but then they leave and they move on and and that's the same thing with all of this content generation. So quality has to do with with the 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 purpose, the meaning within the creation, and, and not just the the creating for the sake of more, 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 more. Yeah. No, I think it's really easy to get caught in the weeds, man. I mean, you it really. It, if you're trying to think of quality versus quantity, you can do this with the most silliest of things. Yeah. Like if I'm going to go buy paper clips. I could sit here and be like, okay, like, let me make sure I'm going to get the best quality paperclip that I can get with the money that I can afford. Mm. And I guess, you know, um, 
I guess to, to look at the other side of this, sometimes the quality really doesn't matter. Yeah, you can get neurotic about all these details. It reminds me of, of this other, this Charles Ames quote that uh, I have here. The details are not the details. They make the product. And I think sometimes we can get so neurotic and getting everything perfect that uh, we lose sight of the, the big picture. Like, what is the product? Mm-hmm. The, if, if you write this amazing paper and you need a way to keep it all together and it's 30 pages long, but then you spend seven weeks figuring out the right paper clip for that, you've lost sight of the, the point. Yeah. The meaningful creation is right there. And in fact, the, the paper or whatever doesn't matter nearly as much as the thing that you've created. Yeah. And the paper clip is virtually irrelevant yes you can you can find a nice one that is going to work out well as something that's high quality but when you're when you're neurosing over that and and if you forsake the 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 truly important side of things then then we just get lost in the weeds and we're never we we, we never move forward with something that is true quality because we're we're trying to affect quality by by procrastinating yeah yeah i i, I guess like i just i really want to just caution Alex on how much he, he focuses on this thing quality because there's also quality from per, a perspective of a consumer and perspective of a creator too, right? Oh, so if we get lost in uh, the quality on either of those, if uh, through either of those avenues, um, again, we're going to lose the meaning of the whole thing. Yeah. So uh, for Alex, um, really ask yourself how important is the quality of an item that you are trying to bring into your life. If you're bringing in a paperclip, guess what, dude? It does not matter the quality of your paperclip. Even if it breaks the next day, that's okay. <laughs> uh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, <laughs> we wouldn't judge you for it. We wouldn't judge anyone for anything, uh, but don't worry. Uh, the minimalist police are not gonna be, uh, you know, knocking on your door and calling you out on buying low quality paper clips. I have, I have a feeling my friend Annie, who runs a stationery store, is gonna be calling into our podcast next week and like, but actually, it ma- so there for some people that it, it does matter when it's a part of the art or, or it's a part of the thing that 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 is. is I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely, sure. Like there is, there's an exception to every rule. Yeah, yeah. So unless you are someone who is a professional using paper clips all the time, I'm not going to yeah. throw that caveat on there. People get it. <laughs> um, so so don't get don't get too lost in the quality. Now, Alex, when you do find something that is of quality and you're like, yes, like, you know what? I need a new car and I really want to get that new Model X Tesla. That's a really nice quality car. Mm. Great. Uh, go ahead and get that car as long as you can afford it. That's really, w- when, when I think about quality, that is probably um, the thing that I, the question I ask myself the most when it comes to quality. It's not about like how much quality is an item as much as can I afford that quality item? Right. And what I mean by that is like, sure. Can I afford it? Uh, do I have the money for it? Yeah. Um, so if that's, that's absolutely the first thing. So, uh, if someone has to put something on a credit card or borrow money from a friend or whatever it is to buy a quality item, they cannot afford it. Yeah. Um, so that's the first question. Can I afford it uh, monetarily? Sure. Then the next question is, is, well, can I afford it uh, it, in my mental space, because I know this is going to take up a little piece of my mental space. I know I'm going to uh, bring this into my home. I'm going to see this thing on a regular basis. Is this truly going to add value? Is it truly going to you know serve a purpose or bring me joy? Those are the next questions uh, that I that I start to ask. And then of course there are other costs too, right? Upkeeping the thing, mm. storing the thing, painting the paperclip, cleaning the paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 quality is something i guess um it is important and i think we should certainly uh strive to have very high quality yeah but 
let's not get lost in the weeds uh, when we're when we're looking at quality items or looking, yeah, not, for, well, looking for a quality life in general. I'll say that it's the most important thing, but it's not the only important yeah. thing, right? And so uh, you were just talking about, can I afford this thing? And, and so the cost often, because we often pay more for high quality goods. Not always. There isn't a direct one-to-one direct correlation, but there's this term. In fact, the opposite is true sometimes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you'll pay really high for a high-end product that uh, I think of some really high-end cars, Lamborghinis and stuff that we see going around uh, uh, Los Angeles. and They're in the shop more than my Toyota Corolla. Absolutely, man. And and so it's a different type of quality, though, for, sure. that, 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 that they're trying to get there. It's a, a certain aesthetic quality. But there's this term in financing called dollar cost averaging. And that means it's sort of the, the if you look at, like, so the T-shirt that I'm wearing here, I bought this T-shirt from eBay, but... Um, the the uh, let's say I bought it brand new and let's say it was I don't know fifty dollars for a T-shirt right um, and I owned five of them do me do the math real quick this is a math podcast two hundred fifty right? that's two hundred fifty dollars mm-hmm. now what if I bought a hundred T-shirts that were two dollars and fifty cents each mm-hmm. and they were considerably less quality now which would i rather have right i'd I'd much rather have the five high quality t-shirts that feel good that are the right size the right fit for me or the opposite could also be true maybe they're not two dollars maybe there's five dollar t-shirts and so about a hundred five dollar t-shirts actually ended up spending more money on on those t-shirts because i had to use a hundred over the same period where i would use five of these and you know you can adjust the math uh, accordingly there to figure out that that one of the things that, that is nice about minimalism, needing fewer things affords me the luxury of having higher quality items, spending more money probably per item, but considerably less on the overall category of items because I don't own nearly as many shirts as I used to own. So I, the, the amount of money I used to spend on shirts was, was appreciably more than the amount of money I, I spend on shirts now, but the average cost of a shirt might have gone up, uh, maybe, probably not significantly, but gone up a little bit because I was able to invest in higher quality items. And I'm even using that word invest here, even though I'm encouraging Alex not to. I don't think of my, my clothes as investments, but in a, in a weird way, I, if I'm saving money overall on the overall shirts, then I can take that money and actually literally invest it, you know, <laughs> S&P 500 or whatever. All right, uh, Alex, I'd love to see a copy of our book, uh, Essential. It's an essay collection. There's 12 chapters in there, and one of those chapters is on stuff. Uh, in particular, we talk about some quality stuff and acquiring quality items in, in that chapter. So there's 12 chapters about intentional living. And Sean, if you could reach out to him and get him the audiobook. If you like our podcast, you'll probably like the audiobook version of Essential. Or uh, if he wants the physical book or the ebook, then we can send him one of those instead. All right, our next question is from Cami in Orange County, California. Since I have begun this journey on just um, living a more minimalistic lifestyle, um, I've not only gotten rid of a lot of things, but now when I desire to purchase something, I find myself just thinking a lot more intentionally about the product. You know, I I want to buy something that will last me a while, um, that's well-made, um, and is doesn't just end up becoming junk or trash that breaks or I end up giving away in a short amount of time. So um, I would like to know if you guys personally um, have any companies that you feel like are a good quality and are worth purchasing from. 
um, whether that's clothing, um, furniture, or I guess just anything that has stuck out to you guys um, since you've become minimalist. Ryan, what brand should Cammie use? What, All of them. What, what should she buy? All the brands. Recommend some things it's that so she funny, must dude. buy. You know, I do have brands I like. Ryan, what are your must-have items? I love, I love, <laughs> there are brands that I really like. Um, don't, don't you love when we, we do like a, a interview with someone and they're like, what are three things a minimalist must own? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, oh, you missed the whole point of this whole thing. Well, yeah. Well, people like to... They like to make it sexy, right? Yeah. Well, if you don't like to own stuff, what stuff do you own? I mean, it's pe- people are voyeuristic. What are the seven things you couldn't travel without? Cammy, I won't tell you the brands I use because honestly, like I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not dependent on any brand. Um, but I'll tell you how I choose brands. Uh, I do a lot of research. So before I really go into whether it's a pair of jeans or whether it's uh, a t-shirt or a pair of shoes, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, I-, I go way out of my way to find reviews on it and the reviews have to be recent because I've made that mistake before where I find reviews from two or three years ago and well the product has changed since then. Yeah, they've changed factories or changed executives or whatever. Yeah, and that's kind of the inherently thing wrong with with I think brands in general is that uh, they they are a business who's trying to make money. Yes, they want to provide a good quality product, but they want to provide a product that is just quality enough to keep you invested in the brand, mm, if that yeah. makes sense. No, well, it reminds me of this essay by Colin Wright. I'll try to read a little bit from it, but also reminds me uh, th- this video popped into my head from our friend Matt Diavella. He, he directed our documentary minimalism he's working on our next documentary as well and occasionally he puts some uh, good videos out about minimalism on his youtube channel we'll put a link to this video in, in the show notes here but he made this video about his toaster and about how like buying the perfect toaster and of course doing the research and finding the right thing but then also thinking like once i acquire this particular item then all of a sudden i've solved this problem right Mm -hmm. and maybe you have if the problem is i need to toast toast but also (laughs) you don't toast toast josh (laughs) you toast the bread oh that's i've been doing it wrong this whole time (laughs) that's why you don't like toast you've been doing it wrong man i've been buying toast and then (laughs) oh my god (laughs) anyway uh yeah check out his video because it he 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 used to be a stand-up comedian um, and so he injects like little bits of humor, um, like how Ryan and I try to do on the podcast, but he, he is he's actually, good. yeah, he, he's adept, <laughs> he's adept at doing it. We're yeah. just, we're just silly geese. We're just yeah, monkeys. And, um, but he injects like little bits of humor into like life lessons as well. Right. And, and so, uh, it's a really good video about his, his toaster and he has his girlfriend in there and they're like trying to figure out what the right toaster Did is. Did you ever figure out why he had us record the, oh, was it? Yeah, he was Because we're the minimalist police is that what it is no no he's doing some other video of uh i actually i don't want to ruin oh, okay, it okay it'd be a spoiler alert yeah just uh, matt basically requested josh and i to do some voiceover stuff and one of them was this weird like yell through the door and act like we were cops so i thought it was going to be some kind of like he was going to do some kind of the minimalist police type thing or whatever. yeah i met with him this past week uh to go over some stuff while you're doing All right, well, we, we won't ruin, ruin it for the yeah for the, for yeah, the fans it's, it's good anyway uh colin Wright, our, our other friend uh, we have two friends one's matt one's colin and uh colin he wrote this essay about brand loyalty so uh cami i actually will talk to you about some of the brands that that i have in in my life but i will issue a caveat first and that is the brands that work for me may or may not work for you but but before we even dive into that let me just read 
read a, a quick excerpt from a rather long essay called Loyalty or Happiness. Brand loyalty demands that you keep buying products from a specific company no matter what. You like the brand, so why wouldn't you support their efforts? Think about that for a moment. Brand loyalty means that even if another brand has a superior product, you'll continue to buy the inferior one. In fact, it generally means you won't even acknowledge the other product's superiority or existence in the first place. You'll spend your money where you've spent it before because that's where you've spent it in the past. And that's why I, I am weary about recommending a, a brand. In fact, I'm not going to recommend any brands to you. I can talk to you about some of my experiences with brands that have worked well for me now but here's the thing i don't necessarily have brand loyalty to those no. things uh, I, I recognize that they have a label usually on the inside because i don't like to wear labels on my clothes and advertise for other places in fact if i could remove the emblems from my toyota i would do that as well uh, just because i don't like going around just displaying Dude, logos if when, when i buy when i buy my next car uh -huh. i am i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go to a shop and have them remove everything you can totally do that yeah yeah Absolutely. That's a great idea, man. Hell yeah, dude. All right. Well, that's... Uh, Problem solved, dude. There we go. Yeah. Let's figure that out. <laughs> yeah, you could totally do that. Um, and then you should get a painted flat black. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, so I had this... Uh, I bought this Levi's jean jacket you see me wear occasionally. I bought it from eBay for like $7. Um, and I removed a little red tag from it because I'm like, I just don't like you know, having the outward tag. There are some things I have that still have a, a small logo on it or whatever because it would look weird if I had a patch over it. But um, I, anyway, it I doesn't mean I have brand loyalty to a thing. I, I just know sometimes some brands have created good quality, but they don't always. I used to buy uh, this company called B Banana Republic. I used to really like find value from their t-shirts, right? Mm. I almost said love their t-shirts and I stopped <laughs> myself there. I used to really uh, find comfort and, and, and I found that they were really good t-shirts. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same, same way about them. I had, I was just telling Sean this a few days ago, I was putting my socks on and I noticed one of the socks I was putting on. I'm like, this is from when I worked in the corporate days. Oh wow. And it was a banana Republic sock. It's the only pair of banana republic socks i've ever owned but they've yeah. lasted like over 10 years man it's crazy man and so so uh back in 2009 i was i think the last time i bought a good t-shirt from them because in, something happened in 2010 where it just changed uh, to garbage their t-shirts were weirdly sized they were too tight in the chest and mm. you know i got those big pecs man so like <laughs> yeah look out <laughs> ow <laughs> And no, but uh, I noticed they were like they were fitting weird, and they had weird tags in them all of a sudden. And the quality of the the cotton was really odd, mm. and and so it stopped working. So the shirts I wear now are from a company called Save Khaki, mm. and I've been wearing those for several years now. I, I try to get them on eBay when I can, but if I can't, if I need new ones, I buy them right from their website. Mm -hmm. um, and and because I like to buy things that are either gently used and quite often that means someone just bought it and never used it they just cut the tags off and they right. have to sell like a used shirt um, but well, I mean I, have you ever had a bad experience buying a used t-shirt dude yeah I have okay. actually how so uh, I'll, I'll buy some from eBay and it shows up and it's like the wrong color or something I'm how like, many times oh, does that happen like once okay yeah so really <laughs> it, it doesn't yeah. yeah in the grand scheme of things when you average it out the answer is essentially no. I only ask because I know if because uh, of the type of person I was hearing you say that 10 years ago I'd have been like you're nuts yeah I'm not gonna buy a used t-shirt right um I'd buy a used jacket used jeans used shoes but for some reason a t-shirt I would feel like just you know people sweating those things more and the cool thing is they clean up things with t-shirts that right. I, yeah sometimes they feel like they're like nicely broken in 
in a way. Like yeah. if someone wore it a few times and washed it a few Broken times. Broken NTs, patent pending. I think that J. Crew already does that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't buy their t shirts either. But um not that I have anything against them. I've uh, purchased stuff from them in the past. Uh, point being is I don't buy a whole lot of new things now, but when I do, I, like Ryan, go out of my way to do the amount of research, make sure they have a return yeah. policy. You so taught me that, I, dude. I, if, I, if I don't like it, I can return it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I, I forget what, it was 2014 or something, I asked for boots, like recommendation on boots or something, because that's you the person I go to every time I need fashion advice. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, but yet you sent me like, oh, I was looking at these reviews, and I'm like, why didn't I just look at reviews? Like That makes so much <laughs> more sense than me going to Josh and having him look at reviews. <laughs> anyway. Josh, can you read some reviews for me? <laughs> right, I need you to do some review <laughs> show with the stack of printed out reviews <laughs> um no and, and so uh the the clothes that i i the last a really long time in fact they have a lifetime guarantee this jacket i'm wearing and also the pants i'm wearing are from a company called mission workshop and um yeah they're great if, if you want to hear about all, all the clothing stuff that we've talked about in the past i'm sure it's changed but we did i'm sure it's altered slightly um Probably not that much though. Episode fifty six mm-hmm. was a podcast called Clothing, and we we it's a deep dive into clothing practices. And then also last week on the podcast, Andrew Morgan in uh, from the True Cost documentary. I'm saying that now, even though we're actually interviewing or not interviewing them, but we're sitting down with them tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. <laughs> but this episode is going to come out a week after that episode. Uh, anyway, uh, True Cost documentary talks about some of the inherent issues with with uh, the clothing yeah. industry the fast I, fashion industry i gotta take a step back uh if you go listen to that clothing episode i think i might have talked about barbell jeans on there yeah do not buy barbell jeans Ooh, okay they are not high quality ah. i have not high quality uh um like basically i got a pair of jeans wore them out because you know i have only one pair of jeans right wore them out in like two months um was not doing anything additional than what i've done to my other jeans that have lasted lasted me a year and a half to two years oh wow um, so that's we were they were totally back, at, back in missoula a hundred episodes ago or yeah, something or crazy something, dude. i mean but but long story short like i called them uh told them what happened they were cool but they you know they were like sorry we're out of that brand you know or out of that not brand but style. that style um out of, out of that size in your style as soon as it comes back in we'll send it to you da, da, da. finally sent me a new pair of jeans wrong jeans wrong length and at that point i just gave up i did wear those like i got them hemmed and wore them and they wore out in two months oh my goodness unbelievable See, here's something funny so we recorded that well over a year ago um but not these mission workshop pants man they've been lasting i'm wearing these same the same mission workshop i was wearing when we recorded that podcast that is awesome yeah. <laughs> that is so, and that's what i've switched to now oh okay yeah. there you go uh, yeah. I, I, yeah that's right you did because we when we filmed the uh, the new documentary yeah. the, the the talk for yeah. that if barbell didn't charge me 200 dollars for a pair of like low quality jeans like i wouldn't go out of my way on this podcast to say don't buy them but yeah if they would have said been 25 bucks or something yeah it's so so again don't don't confuse the the price price i love the concept Uh, yeah i love the concept but the quality is 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 low yeah it was just a high quantity of money right exactly exactly um so yeah i think mission workshop has has been good to me now here's the thing what if their quality goes down they decide that then i'll be i'll be talking about them on the podcast yeah exactly (laughs) and not not in the positive light exactly i'm happy to talk and by the way none none of these no one we ever talk about ever pays us a dime or gives us free stuff to i mean i i I paid full price for the jacket i'm wearing and and full price for the pants i'm wearing doesn't feel good to like talk about stuff in a genuine way though yeah like not feel obligated to talk about stuff yeah because as you all know we we don't do any any advertisements but um i had someone tweet me a few weeks ago and, and they said uh 
His name was Joe. He said, what mattress, couch, air purifier, and or space heater do you use? And my response to him was, currently, colon, I have no idea. None, none, and none, respectively. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know what my mattress is. I know that I tested out a bunch. I don't know the brand of it because I found one that worked really well. I needed like... I, I want to sleep on fluffy concrete, basically. In fact, the brand that you started with, I took, and it's an awesome brand for me. I love it. I sleep on that thing all the time. It's yeah. the best freaking bed I've ever had in my life. Right. And you hated it. Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't matter. It, it, it didn't work for me. It didn't yeah. work for my... I had like some weird chemical sensitivity to it. Um, and my mattress was way less expensive than that one because it worked for me. It, right. Sadly, it doesn't work that well for Bex. Um, it works okay for her. But it's super, super firm. It's like having slightly damp concrete. Um, and, but it works really well for my back. Um, but I honestly, I could, like if you held a gun to my head and said, what brand is it? I would guess because I wouldn't want you to shoot me in the head. <laughs> but I honestly wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, I bought it from a place called Denver Mattress when we were in, in Missoula. And then uh, what couch and air purifier and space heater? None, none, and none. But here's the thing. Sometimes that changes over time because uh, we just bought a new couch. I'm supposed to have it delivered right after this podcast. And uh, uh, Bex and I went out and um, we we spent, I don't know, maybe 10 days testing out different couches. We went everywhere from Ikea to like on the low end of, of things all the way up to like design within reach, the really high end place mm-hmm. and uh, found a place uh, in the middle. We, uh, there was a place called blue dot that was, had some really good couches. In fact, the, the second couch that, that we almost went with um, we, we didn't, but uh, it was really good. A place called blue dot. We ended up at a place called bow concept. And uh, let me tell you what, man, the, the couch, it was supremely comfortable, except it was 12 week delivery time. And we're like, okay, we, I can go without a couch. I've gone without 12 weeks without a couch before. Well, now it's been 14 weeks. <laughs> and I tell you what, their customer service was amazing when they were trying to sell me a couch. Mm. <laughs> but now that they've already sold me a couch and I'm waiting for it to be delivered and there's like delays and they're not responding to emails and phone calls are wow. taking days to get back to me. Wow. So guess what, Bo Concept? I wouldn't recommend you and I wouldn't go back to Can you to buy anything. Can we please put both of these things in the notes, Sean? Because I want both of these companies to know that we are not recommending them. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so maybe say not recommended. Here's the thing. Yeah, I, I I found a really found a really good couch that I think I'm going. I hope that I'm going to enjoy, uh, and be able to share that with other people. And we have people over, but man, the app, the the after the the experience after the purchase, the post sale service, mm. it has not been great. Mission Workshop has been phenomenal. Uh, I remember once. Um, they, they accidentally sent me two pairs of pants. And so I'm like, you accidentally sent me two. I just emailed the guy who, who is in their support department. He's like, I'm so sorry. Let me send you this return label. And let me give you a, a credit for your next thing if you ever want to buy anything from us again. And like, they sent me two items and they're apologizing yeah. for it. Well, because really you could have taken one of the items and then just returned it. And got free pants. Right, I could have, uh, <laughs> but what? But, but that I think that shows the quality of that company. They mm-hmm. saw that you could have done that. They yeah. were like, "Oh wow, like we have a really good customer. We want to show them, yeah, uh, that we appreciate them being a great customer." Yeah, and, and they have no idea who I am. Yeah. That we were a huge podcast. Where your couch, uh, your couch uh, company could care less about showing you that you're a good customer. Yeah, and, and it, what was frustrating is that they had really high-end stuff, and we paid a good amount. It's, it's sort of middle of the road, somewhere between Ikea and Design Within Reach, mm-hmm. and 
and we ended up paying an, a nice price because uh, I what what I'm finding now is when we when we're talking about quality, I want to bring things into my home and into my life that are what you, what you might call pieces. They're they're whether they're they're they're, they're aesthetically pleasing. So I look at furniture often as art. Um, but uh, a piece that's going to last a long time, as long as I need it, right? Sure. Just because it lasts 30 years doesn't mean I have to hold on to it for 30 years. But I would like a couch that lasts 30 years. It has the potential. And then if I decide to let go, then, hey, it has some resale value, and I, I know that I can let go of it. And part of that just meant being patient. And so I think I think when we're talking to Cami about any of this stuff is have some patience going into any of these purchases and realizing, yeah, for me, it's not a big, big deal waiting 14 weeks for a couch, except when you set the expectation, hey, it's going to be 12 weeks. And oh, by the way, we'll contact you because quite often, sometimes it, it shows up sooner than that. And all of a sudden, I'm 14 weeks out hoping that the stuff ends up showing up. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because those weren't even your expectations. They were the expectations that they set for you. Yeah. And they're yeah. not even meeting those. It's, yeah. If, if they, right, some we, point, we've bashed them enough, I think. Yeah. And I'm not bashing them. I, <laughs> no. I think, oh, no, no. I, here's the thing. I think they produce really high quality goods. It's mm-hmm. the the quality of the service just hasn't been there. And, right. and I expect if I'm doing business with a company, I expect real customer service. You know, it's funny, though, in L.A. specifically, there are companies, though, who like they pride themselves on treating their customers like crap, like wow. like restaurants that you go to. Um, like we went to this burger place, uh, uh, me and Jess Williams, I was dropping her off at the airport when she was heading home after the special and she can't eat cheese. Like she's legit allergic to dairy. Like she can't have it. Yeah. So she's ordering a hamburger and she's like, can you please not, can you hold the cheese on it? And they're like, Oh no, we don't do that. We don't, we don't change the items on our menu. And that's fine, dude. Like I totally understand, uh, for any chef out there who doesn't want their, their, um, their, their recipe touched. I get it, man. Josh and I have a recipe. I don't want anybody freaking touch our recipe either. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, uh, for for a restaurant to not be able to not put a piece of cheese on there, that seems a little freaking insane to me. But the bartender, you should have seen the look on her face. Like she was pleased that she was making us upset. <laughs> and when we were like, I'm like, oh, like she's actually allergic to it. So there's like, there's no way we can do no dairy on, on any of this. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. I mean, it was so patronizing. Yeah. And then when we were like getting up like, oh, okay, well, you know, thanks for your time. We're gonna have to go somewhere else. Like the smile on her face, like, the satisfaction of sticking it to us, man. It just blows my mind, dude. Yeah. The cool thing now is you can stand there right in front of them and leave a Yelp review. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, and here's the thing. I go way out of my way. I leave mostly five-star Yelp reviews and, and Google reviews wherever I go. And in fact, it's it's been ever since I asked for this a couple of years ago, it was my New Year's resolution to leave more reviews, to review more, yeah. because we asked people to review the podcast back then. I mean, we don't go out of our way to ask you on every episode, please give us five stars kind of thing. If you want to leave us one star, leave us one star. That's totally up to you. Hop on Apple Podcasts. You hate our podcast. If you feel like we're, we're pieces of crap. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel like it's great and you get immense value from it, that's one way you can help us You know, get the word out there is leave, leave a five-star review. But I'll go out of my way. And, and the thing with, with a place like Bow Concept, they're based on what the furniture is, I might end up giving them four stars right sure but then i'll leave a note about the the customer service yeah. and i also know that great piece of furniture when you get it yeah yeah <laughs> and the customer service during the sale was really solid after the sale it was really lacking yeah uh they, they, there was a breakdown in communication yep. and and so a few other places really quick for cami uh you gotta be really careful with these but we're gonna put links to both of these in the show notes buy it for life is a reddit subgroup 
uh, subreddit, I guess they call it, where a bunch of people talk about different brands where you buy it once and, and then I you never don't have to. in a million years we'd be recommending Reddit. Well, I'm not, not going to look at our Reddit <laughs> subgroup. It's, <laughs> people, did, it's just people threatening my life. I know. Why do people hate us so much? I don't know. God. <laughs> um, I, I haven't looked at all, at you know, minimalism or whatever in probably five years, ever since, maybe longer than that. You remember Matt since. tried to, like, he put a video up there and tried to get like he's like hey i'm working on this video i really want to get some honest feedback and it was just like you know troll seagull after seagull it after really seagull. Is. but he was like but i love how matt approached it he was like guys i understand that you're all like in your little you know mouth breathing corners right now <laughs> <laughs> but if you could give me some genuine feedback that would be great and then you can resort to uh, you know, just tearing me to shreds. <laughs> yeah, so a seagull is you know, some someone who just flies over, swoops down, shits on your work, and flies away without adding any value whatsoever. Mm. Um, but this Buy It For Life subreddit has like 400,000 members, and it's a lot of That's people awesome. uh, who talk. They, they share used items. They share links to other items that last a really long time. So Buy It For Life is what the name implies. There's also a website called buythisonce.com. I will just issue a warning here. Be careful about either one of these because they can also just like the marketing we talked about with Matt's toaster that they can encourage you to buy stuff you don't need just because something's going to last for a lifetime doesn't mean you need it for a lifetime or need it at all I got an idea if you need an item mm -hmm. write it down on a list and then go to one of these websites and look for it. Yeah. Do not preemptively go to these websites. That's a great. That's a great point. And then when you go to the website, you do not buy anything that isn't on that list. Yeah. For me, my rule is if it's over hundred dollars, I wait thirty days. Yeah. You gotta wait a little bit, man. Yeah. And so I know that's a bit uh, a, a bit much for for many of you, but I don't want to give that item too much uh, uh, weight in my life. And quite often, when I realize like oh, I didn't need that at all, and so sometimes the best quality is not owning it at all because then I don't have to take care of it. I don't have to own it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to spend the money on it. Sometimes quality means having fewer things so we can enjoy the things that we do have. Cammy, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. There's a, there's a whole chapter in there about my experience at Ikea. And uh, you probably actually saw it in the documentary. Uh, I was out in the salt flats reading from that chapter. And it's not a criticism of Ikea, actually. It's like me just trying to buy everything that's going to make my life complete again after it's falling apart. And, of course, those things aren't going to make our life complete. So I want to send you a copy of that book. Sean, if you reach out to her, give her the audio book or the book book or the ebook, whatever she wants, we'd really appreciate that. All right. Where are we at, Ryan? Oh, We'd love to hear what y'all have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about quality, including advice for any of our callers today, then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also send a, a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. It's my favorite part of the show. We air our favorite comments and tips at the end of each episode. Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed, we do. We are on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. At The Minimalist is our handle there. Uh, during this lightning round, this is where Ryan and I both do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. Our first question is from Juan. What's the best approach to fight that programmed obsolescence that is engineered by big companies? What was once quality and flagship is now trash. I think that can be true sometimes. But here, here's my short answer, Ryan. 
Most items are obsolete before we buy them. Amen. So, so the thing we were just talking about, like putting it on a list and saying, can I wait 30 days? Do I actually need this? And because maybe 30 days from now, I'm not going to need it in my life at all. Is this something I'm, I'm going to need? Now, it doesn't mean you deprive yourself of uh, something long term. We've talked about when I got rid of my phone or my laptop for a period of time accidentally. Um, and, and sometimes deprivation helps us realize that there are things that truly add value to our lives. Yeah. But I also think that this obsolescence isn't as big of a problem uh, as we pretend it is. I mean, we like to think of like these corporations are the big bad guys. No, a lot of the corporations actually add value to our lives. Sure. I'm not anti-corporation. I don't think corporations are inherently bad or evil. I think they can be inherently problematic because they put the almighty dollar first. Mm-hmm. And I like to put people and passion and meaningful uh, creations first. And then, of course, sometimes that aligns with making profits as well. But I don't think there's this big conspiracy to plan obsolescence into everything that we buy. There might be some outliers where some company is truly planning to make this thing that is going to be obsolete, but they know it's going to be inherently obsolete anyway. That's right. the nature of technology. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine if I had a company and I'm trying to invent like, a, I don't know, another cell phone, for example, like it's going to get perfect to a certain point. There's going to be a certain point where I've got to accept the technology I have and then call it good and then finish inventing that thing. As soon as I call it good, there's going to be new uh, inventions made after that. There's no doubt about it. In fact, when we went to that uh, tour at Northrop Grumman? Yeah. Am I saying yeah. it right? Yeah, they're, they're a big defense contractor. Big defense contractor. They they took us and they showed us the Robert Webb satellite. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's the satellite that is going to be shot, it's going to be shot out a million miles from the earth. Mm. Uh, if, ladies and gentlemen listening at home, if you have not heard of the Robert Webb satellite, look it up. We, in our lifetime, we will know 100% sure, as long as the satellite works and everything goes perfect and the launch goes well, which it's happening this year, uh, we will know for a fact if there's life on other planets or not. Um, it, it sees that deep into space. It will see the Big Bang. It will see uh, remnants of the Big Bang theory, theory to to further prove this this theory that that has been you know going around forever. Anyway, uh, it's an amazing piece of equipment. It's an amazing piece of technology. And what she was telling me as she was showing us this technology, she was like, you know, there's some really cool technology now that they can. Um, it's I think it's called nano like nano carbon fiber, so, something along those lines. And she said, you know, uh, you can take these nanocarbon fibers, you can coat it on anything. And uh, they literally are going to use this technology to send a satellite to the sun to get pictures and to um, put it into a solar flare, which is hotter than what the center of the sun is. And these nanofibers <laughs> will protect it. It's unbelievable. What? She was like, that technology came out one year after we, we locked down the technology on the satellite. Mm. So they've got this satellite that is so stinking fragile. Mm-hmm. And if and if one little thing goes wrong, then it's going to be, you know, there's Lights a lot. Of, there's there are billions of dollars and 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 you know hours and hours, thousands, tens of thousands of hours invested in this thing that are there's a lot on the line. Mm-hmm. And uh, what she had said is she was like, you know, I I I don't beat myself up over things like that though. Yeah. What's I I think I just I don't I don't know why sometimes I have dreams about going back to my old BlackBerry Curve phone. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, I have an iPhone now. I haven't had a BlackBerry in a while, but I, I still, what is it, six years later, miss the keyboard on the BlackBerry. Yeah. Uh, first drafts of quite a few of our blog posts from back in the days, and then also my novel. Uh, a lot of that was written on a BlackBerry Curve, and yeah. it's like, it's like having a dream about an old ex-girlfriend. Like, <laughs> it's like, it, yeah, I remember the good things. 
in the dream because it's not a nightmare. But I, I also realize that, you know, you're not right for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's, you know, that, yeah, if I brought the, the BlackBerry curve back into my life, it probably would not be as good as I, as I once remembered it. It's, yeah, that, it's, that's also true. Yeah. It's, it's obsolete with respect to the, the current technology. So, so Juan, don't worry that much about planned obsolescence, man. If you're going to embrace technology and not be a hermit, you're going to have to understand that technology evolves and that evolution is a good thing. All right, here's my short answer. And now that we've got uh, longer characters, more characters on Twitter, I can make my answers a little bit longer. Nice. There's always going to be a better version around the corner and around that corner and around that corner. Stop worrying about the better version of a material possession and focus on being a better version of yourself. One doesn't need to buy anything to do that. Isn't that isn't that fascinating? Like we think that like the toaster, like the toaster is going to make me complete now or, or whatever the item is. Mm-hmm. And, and we often talk about the material possession should augment or amplify or magnify our experience of life. Mm-hmm. It's the Charles Ames quote once again, right? It's all about connecting everything. And quite often the material possessions actually get in the way yeah. of, of those connections because, um, and it doesn't have to be just material possessions. It could be anything that is truly material. There's that Macklemore line with abs like these, who has time for friends or, or whatever. Yeah. Right? And and it's because we're, if we're so focused on this, we actually lose the, the connections that, that truly matter. All right. Our next question is from Mark. What's your definition of quality? Well, when he asked this question, I first thought about Plato. I think this quote quotes from Plato. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that you like got into Ella's Play-Doh and <laughs> like what is the quality of this Play-Doh no, she ate all of it oh uh, no, actually she doesn't have any Play-Doh oh, Plato Plato I yeah, got yeah. you oh okay uh, we had a babysitter <laughs> over the other day and uh, uh, we were going to that we were going to uh, Paul Johnson uh, Canyon City's concert and uh, the babysitter um, walked in she's like where's all her toys and I'm like they're both over there and uh, I mean awesome. yeah, she's got books and, and other stuff but we she I, makes up her own games. Man, she plays like anytime. Limitations I, breed creativity. Oh my! Her favorite toy right now is this stupid box. We, <laughs> uh, we, we like got this uh, soda stream. Stupid in the mail. box patent pending. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, that's the stupid box TM. Stupid box brought to you by the minimalists. <laughs> <laughs> she pretends it's a spaceship, so I just like put her in this box and like like close the top on her <laughs> and then so <some laughs> <laughs> just walk away <laughs> sometimes oh my god and i'm like where's ella and or like we'll pick her up and ryan's like pointing up <laughs> look a light <laughs> <laughs> speaking of quality we so we're in our new studio this thank is, you I, I so much now, i don't know why i just now noticed that thank That's you awesome. so much to all of our patreon supporters we're, we're uh we just got this new studio lighting in here so eventually once we have enough supporters we can do a video version of the podcast but speaking of quality, we had to have this metal fabricated for this light, and then yeah. you had to have an electrician rewire the whole thing to make it work. It's beautiful, though, and the lighting, when we turn it on, I mean, it makes me I'm, 73% more handsome. I'm really <laughs> I didn't even realize you could get more handsome. Really. Oh, my goodness. I was thinking we should turn these... Oh, yeah, we should do that the podcast with this light from now on I, I, it's pretty bright oh is it yeah okay. yeah it might it might induce a headache if we, if i don't need it on it's gotcha. uh, yeah okay. but it's it, it is gorgeous and really high quality and so um we just spent a little bit more money getting it fabricated anyway i've i've gone way off the reservation Sorry, i, I have a quote you, from man. no no no, no I, I appreciate that thank you to our patreon supporters for uh supplying us with the light and all the new equipment in here the sound panels we're doing a a uh 
a video tour for you all really soon once we uh, once we get the the final furniture and equipment in here, which will be probably in April. So really soon, really soon. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Plato he says quality is the knife edge of experience found only in the present known or at least potentially accessible to all of us. So think about that for a second. Quality is known or accessible to all of us. And I, I like this part. It's the knife edge of experience yeah. because it is always now, but now it's no longer that now. It's this now. Yeah, it's and genius, so it's, it's always this knife edge. But if you need a more... He was cutting edge before it was cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> If you need a more practical and less sort of platonic view on quality, my short answer is this. Raising one's standards increases the quality of one's life. Preach. Yeah, and so I, I think if something is high quality, then... Uh, uh, that it, or it's high quality when it exceeds our standards. So if we have higher standards than the quality of our life and the things that we bring into our life, the quality of our experiences will continue to improve. So raising one's standards increases the quality of one's life. Totally agree. When I first read this question, I like looked up the definition of quality. I'm like, yep, that's pretty much my definition. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is one thing compared to other things that are like it, and it turns out to be the best thing of a group of things wasn't well, that but, but hold on hold, hold that thought for a second so uh my version of quality is going to be different from your version Ooh, of quality right yeah. i mean i ella has the worst taste in the world <laughs> she likes everything to be purple and and like if it was up to her a whole house would be purple and and it's not that she actually has bad taste. It's just, I'm, that's it's more not, of a criticism of my own taste. It's not like, your taste. I mean, yeah, yeah. A judgment is but a mirror <laughs> reflecting the insecurity of the. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And so, so I, I look at our house and I let her have her own little bits of purple flair in her in her room. But mm -hmm. I like a relatively monochrome house. And when we get back this summer, hopefully we'll do some apartment tours of of our houses. Hopefully by then I'll have a couch. Maybe. Hopefully then I'll be out of my termite termite infested <laughs> apartments. <laughs> God, I think man. both of us can agree there's no quality in, in a termite-infested apartment. No, definitely um, not. But my quality is gonna, my version of quality is gonna be different from your version. It's gonna be different from other people's versions of quality. So quality is perspectival. There's yeah. another, the, there's another uh, pithy oh, yeah. quote for you, Sean. That is, yeah, it's absolutely true. All right, my my short answer is this: quality increases with effort. Uh, this is to to me, it's 100 percent true. I can look at uh, whether it's a a, a creation, um, a work of art a product, a, an infomercial, uh, an advertisement itself, mm -hmm. I can tell how much time someone spent on it by yeah. the quality of that product. Right. So by default, um, now we got to be careful too, right? Yeah. Because uh, I was going to say by default, the more time you spend, the greater quality it's going to be. That's always not, that's not always true either. Exactly. Because you're going to get to a point where there, there might be, you. no matter how much more time you spend on it, that thing is... It's not going to be any better than what you the time you've already put into it. So there's certainly there's a bell curve. Is, there is a bell curve, absolutely. Yeah. So so interestingly, it's like quality increases with quantity of effort until a point. Um, <laughs> until a point. That's right. not as pithy though. Uh, no. and, and so yeah, I like I like your answer better. But I think that's true. There is a bell curve where eventually you're spinning your wheels, and and that that comes down to that whole thing we talked about perfection. Like when, when we're trying to make this thing perfect, it's never going to be perfect, and, yeah. and thus it, you might actually decrease the quality if you continue to put in. I feel like un, if you put in unnecessary effort. No, oh, so, oh, 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 so quality increases with necessary effort. Boom. There we go. Dude, he just edited that. 
in real time in real time man that's awesome <laughs> all right no that's great yeah sean use that one um <laughs> but what i was gonna say though is like i feel like every for every piece of advice we give i have to i have to throw the caveat on there like most of the time mm-hmm. <laughs> or, i i think that's implicit in, yeah. in everything we're saying like there are always exceptions that are, that are going to destroy the rule anyway we've got one more question here lauren says i'm trying to pay down debt but i also believe in eating organic and fresh food should i continue to invest in good quality food or should I temporarily deprive myself of that in order to pay back debt more quickly? I think my answer to this one is, is going to surprise you. But if you want that, you're going to have to tune into our weekly private podcast. We call it the, the postscript episode. Yeah. Sort of little PS to this episode. So each week, Ryan and I, we do a postscript episode. It's, a, it's just a short little nugget where we answer a question or two about the topic. So uh, this week, we're going to answer Lauren's question. And every week, you get a postscript episode. It's called The Minimalist's Private Podcast. Now, you don't have to get on the internet, log into some website, and then every single time you want to listen to a podcast, I know you want to listen to this podcast on your phone while you're driving or whatever else. You can do that with our private podcast as well. So wherever you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Feedly or wherever, you can find this podcast and the Minimalist Private Podcast. They'll show up both in your feed together. All you need is the private link, and it's exclusively for our Patreon supporters. So if you want to support this podcast, help us keep it 100% advertisement-free and get the Minimalist Private Podcast every week, then just head on over to theminimalists.com, click Donate at the top. You can find several ways to support us on PayPal and Venmo, but also if you support us via Patreon, you get access to all the bonus stuff. So the monthly, or I'm sorry, the weekly private podcast, also the the monthly live streams. We call that Ask the Minimalist Anything, where we host a a video live stream each month for our Patreon supporters. You also get the recordings to our unpublished live events. So we just published uh, Philadelphia and Detroit and Tampa and Washington, D.C., and we've got some others uh, coming soon as well. And then also a studio tour, uh, the space we're in now, since y'all helped us pay for this space. And once we get all the, the equipment in here, you'll get, uh, you'll get first access of a video studio tour. Thank you so much for being a Patreon supporter. If you're helping us out, it means a lot. None of the money goes to me or Ryan. It allows us to pay a podcast producer, but then also have all the equipment in the studio space we need to continue to create meaningful creations for you. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So this podcast is free. It's advertisement free, but if you want to support us, that is the best way to do it. Theminimalists.com and click on donate over there at the top. All right, let's move on to our added value portion of the show. So where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, what's added value to your life recently? Dude, I... I didn't realize I could uh, talk about the wallet that Malcolm Fontier gave us uh-huh. because it was a passion project of his. But when we showed up to uh, first talk about the design of the packed bag before we even had like a, uh, one product of it. Okay. So to put it in perspective, Malcolm Fontier is, uh, he's a guy who made a bag that ended up in our documentary sort of accidentally. And it was, it, it, it plagued my life for a year because thousands got, of emails. Where do I get that bag? You probably not thousands, but uh, probably over a thousand. Um, and people were were. How do I get your bag? I'm like, okay. You watched our documentary, and the thing you got out of it is it's like after our events, like people come to you. What what brand are your pants? Like, I get really? that all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I, now I'm just like. 
fuck it. It's Mission Workshop. Right. They're great. Like, I really do get a lot of value yeah. from. But I, I got pissed at first with this bag because I'm like, but then I realized like, oh, this bag was the, the one thing that added immense value to my life more than it because we travel so much. And so we worked with Malcolm, uh, what, last year to try to bring the bag back out. The the Kickstarter, I'm sorry, the Indiegogo campaign's already over, so it's, we're not trying to sell you the bag no. or anything. But just to give you some context on who he is, he creates these sort of, uh, he's, an he's, yeah, an he's an amazing designer. He's an amazing designer. So we showed up uh, to talk about this the, about uh, this project. Um, he gave us this little wallet called the Mojito Wallet, and it is the wallet I have been carrying ever since. And it is like it's super slim. Um, I know that it's it, and this is a great example of uh, mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. It's a um, minimalist wallet. It's yeah. a minimalist wallet. Um, I love it. Uh, Josh wouldn't carry it. Um, I tried it though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but uh, yeah. Long story short. Uh, Malcolm said that he's got. Well, actually, I'm not going to put a number on it because I'm not. I'm not trying to sell this wallet. I'm just saying that if you are looking for a really nice minimalist wallet, this is one. I love it. I carry it. Uh, he's were, not making them in. in he's not making them anymore. He has like no. A, a there are small stock. There is a them. small stock of them. Again, I'm not trying to create a sense of urgency here. Um, you don't just, need to buy it, by the way. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But if you are in the market for it, it's a great wallet, and I would totally recommend it. I think it's like $35, bucks, um, and, and all the, the the details will be in the notes uh, of this episode on how to get it. I got a couple free things here. I was just going to mention one thing. It's it's one of those mergers of quality and quantity. Um, you know the, the hip-hop band, The Roots? The the lead singer is uh, he's not a singer the 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 lead of of of, of roots yeah yeah they're they're actually a band which is a weird a weird thing to say in hip hop but you know the roots uh, they're on Jimmy Fallon every yes. night now um, Black Thought is the the head of the band and he did this ten minute freestyle which awesome. is not actually freestyle anymore they write these out obviously this ten minute long dissertation one take on Hot ninety seven. And it is so good. I mean, it is an exercise it in is quality awesome. I, writing. I watched it, man. It is unbelievable. It is truly unbelievable. Let's put a link to that video in the show notes, Sean. He, I mean, talk about writing. It's a culmination of a lifetime of writing. It's almost like he's possessed. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like In a good way. He's in a, a true flow state. I mean, he's flowing. Like, yeah. But he's in a flow state where it is... Doing that in a hundred takes is impossible for ninety nine percent of the population. Him doing this in one take, it, it is just—it's breathtaking, it's mind boggling. And any other metaphor I want to throw out there. Uh, one other note: uh, while we're doing added value, uh, we have a buddy of ours. I've been on his podcast once, uh, and he—you uh, remember the Art of Charm? Yes. Uh, Jordan Harbinger. Yeah. He he reached out to me and said, "Hey, can you let your audience know that I'm no longer doing the Art of Charm?" And I I'd love to get him on he on the uh, the show sometime to talk about walking away because I, I think it was uh, I, I I think it was not a friendly departure on his part, uh, even though he was a part owner of the company and so he started his own podcast called the Jordan Harbinger Show, mm-hmm. and it's the same sort of format. He is a He's an amazing interviewer. Uh, he, I mean, he just has these interviewing chops. And I think, I think it's because he's been doing it for 11 years. Yeah. I think uh, over 1,000 episodes or 900 episodes yeah. in, he's interviewed so many people. He's gotten so good at asking good questions, high-quality questions. And what happens when you ask high-quality questions? You start getting better answers. And you figure out how to extract good answers out of people and then make things interesting and entertaining and educational. And he walked away from The Art of Charm because he was like, this no longer sort of fits the person I want to be. be. It was a high-quality podcast, but it's no longer right for me. And so walking away from something that was high-quality and starting his 
own thing. Like literally from scratch, went and started his own social media brands from scratch. So he's on Twitter and, and Instagram, like starting at zero again. And so I'd love to just talk to him about starting from zero. But I told him, yeah, I'd be happy to, to mention the, I, I get, I mean, I listened to his podcast, right? And I listened when he switched over, I, I deleted the art of charm and went right for the, uh, for, for the Jordan Harbinger show because he is really good at interviewing people. And I find value in that. So I think maybe some other folks will as well. Yeah. I'm going to recommend one more thing, actually. Uh, I just had, I stayed, um, a night with, um, a, a gal named Vicki Robin. She wrote your money, your life. Um, she co-wrote it. Uh, she, there's a, there's a relaunch. It's already out. It's, I think it's officially relaunched on April 4th, but essentially your money, your life is it's, it's like, I feel like if the minimalists were to write a book on finances, mm. they're like, this would be, this would be it. Cause it's not, it's not a Dave Ramsey approach. Okay. It is a, it's much different. It's cause it's about the concepts of how we look at money. Mm. It's not about here's a plan on how to get out of money as much as, uh, she helps you realize what we do with every single cent yeah. and it totally i i promise if uh, if someone is looking for a way to help change your perspective on money this book will absolutely help you do that um but she's updated it so it was written back in the 70s it actually came out her and um the intentional simplicity movement were very much in in alignment yeah and um it was so cool like talking with her and like hanging out with her at her place um, but, uh, but yeah, she, she, she updated it. Um, April 4th is when it officially comes out. Like I said, you can go get it right now, but it's updated to represent like for 21st century readers, right? right? It's a modern take on, on, on finances. And yeah. I think both approaches are, are helpful. The, Absolutely. the, the Dave approach, uh, the Dave Ramsey sort the prescriptive. Of, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the how to, and then also like, let's have a better understanding of why we feel yeah, this way. It's a great way money. of looking at it. Yeah. Dave is a how to, and I, I think your money, your life is more of a why to. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, let's move on to right here, right now, real quick. Let's talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We're starting a video podcast really soon. If you want to subscribe to that, you can head on over to youtube.com slash the minimalists. Uh, my partner, Rebecca, she has a website called minimalwellness.com. And like once a quarter, maybe even a little bit less than that, one, uh, about once a quarter, she does something called a 23-day wellness reset. And she's doing one of those in May. These always sell out because there's only 30 virtual seats this is an online program, but she coaches these people directly. And then also it has a daily video and then a, a weekly, a weekly live stream as well. You can find all the details about that over her website, minimalwellness.com. She's also got a virtual version of that. If you don't need the one-on-one -on -one coaching, but you still want to go through a less expensive program, um, she has a virtual where you still get a video every day and she sort of, sort of helps you do this 23 day reset, reset your life in, in 23 days. It's not going to change your life, but it's going to help you pivot a little bit in the direction that you want to go and, and truly reset. And I know she's gotten amazing feedback on that. And I'm really proud of her for what she's doing over there. Also, if you want all the show notes that uh, we talk about, we're always telling Sean to put stuff in the show notes. We'll send them right to your email box. Just go to theminimalists.com, enter your email address there at the top. Anytime we write a new essay, so any new writings, but also any new podcast that comes out, that'll show up right in your inbox. We'll never send you any advertisements or spam or any of that stuff because that is disgusting. Ryan, you got anything else for us? Yeah, man. Hold on. Yeah, here they are. I got some uh, voicemail comments and tips from listeners. Hello, my name is Aubrey. I'm a librarian in North Dakota, and this is a listener's response to a podcast topic, specifically episode 123 on hobbies. Someone had asked about communal craft spaces to share resources and supplies rather than uh, collecting all of them yourself. Many libraries now have maker spaces 
for just this purpose. So I recommend that your readers interested in trying out new technology or creating something either low or high tech to look into their local public or academic libraries and ask them about maker spaces that they may have. So in general, libraries are an excellent resource for all, but can be of particular use to those living in minimalist lifestyles between ebooks, audiobooks, DVDs, books, CDs, sometimes even sporting equipment and cake pans, and now these maker spaces. There's something for everyone, and it's all for free. Hello, my name is Elizabeth Ortiz-Schwartz. I'm calling from Stanford, Connecticut. I would like um, to leave a comment regarding the uh, clothes episode. Um, I am using an online uh, clothing service where I rent a certain number of items for a monthly fee. Um, the company styles the shipment based on size and climate, which is great for people who are losing weight or pregnant. Um, and uh, you have the final say in what you um, receive in that shipment. You can wear the shipment as much, the clothes as much as you like, and you can return the the items as a group. Um, the company launders them, so it's one less thing to worry about. So for me, doing that, the advantages are that I still get to wear some new trends without the commitment to buying uh, clothes. Another advantage is that I am not visiting a store. So I am not tempted, tempted by impulse buys. Um, I also find it easier to um, get rid of some of the items that I'm holding on to from my own closet just because I still have the novelty of being able to get new items every um, few weeks. Um, some of the disadvantages is that somebody might do this service and then uh, they may choose to keep the clothes that instead of renting them, um, they continue to um, to buy them, which could be a problem. And in some ways, this is somewhere in the middle of consuming fast fashion and um, having fewer quality pieces, owning fewer quality pieces. My name is Vicki Dirksen. I live in Fountain Hills, Arizona. I have been a minimalist since before I even knew there was such a thing as minimalism. Uh, but one area that has really suffered in my minimalism has been my wardrobe. I despise clothes shopping. I hate looking through racks to find something that suits my style. I hate piecing together outfits. I hate trying on clothes in the store. And I often go far too long between shopping sessions because I hate the entire process, the whole experience. So my small wardrobe suffers. But on your episode about clothing, um, I think it was Ryan who mentioned Stitch Fix. So I decided to give them a try. I've received two shipments already, and I absolutely love it. I filled out a style profile online, created a Pinterest board, and the stylist nailed it and has me all set up for our early Arizona summers. Um, I now have a wardrobe that looks intentional and makes me feel good about myself, and I didn't hate making it happen. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalist, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need 
Every little thing you think that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Every little thing that you gotta have, every little thing that you gotta have, you gotta reach for and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. So take your eyes away, or take. 